We'd like to thank Write Notepads once again for sponsoring an episode of the Erasable Podcast. And once again, they also have an amazing giveaway for our listeners. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Erasable, that's to our amazing Facebook group dedicated to the show, there will be a pinned post in which we will be giving away one free year's subscription to the Write Notepads membership. That's right, a whole year for free. So what you need to do is go and comment on that post and confirm that you have signed up for the Write Notepads newsletter. If you've already signed up for it, all you have to do is point that out. Say that you've already signed up and you'll be entered to win. And in about a week, we will have a drawing and give away a one-year membership to the Write Notepads notebook subscription. So thanks again to Write Notepads for sponsoring this episode, and good luck. I wonder what Baltimore's would sound like if it was really slow. Hey, honey, do it. <laughs> Guten Abend, and welcome to episode 55 of the Erasable Podcast. I am Johnny Gamber, and I am joined by my good friends, relaxed summertime pals, Tim Wassum and Andy Welfley. Tonight, we are lucky enough to have Slate's June Thomas joining us to talk about our recent trip to Japan, the land of stationary awesomeness. How are you three doing tonight? Very good. Uh, doing great. Very well, indeed. I'm really excited that June's here. <laughs> That's good. She and Tim <laughs> sound really similarly low, so it's going to be confusing. <laughs> no, nobody sounds like Tim. Yeah. We've missed Thank Tim. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's I, been a I cra- crazy few weeks. I've missed you as a listener. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah I've, we're, we're getting ready to move, move into a new house, as you people in the chat may have heard my son explaining a few minutes ago when he stopped <laughs> by to say goodnight. Yeah, we're moving into a new house that needed a lot of work, and so I've been painting and cleaning and scrubbing and scraping and packing and all kinds of stuff for the last few weeks, and it just wasn't working out. My brain was not working, so I was going to be useless, so, <laughs> and I was going to get sick, too. So. Regular moving is hard. Yeah, Tim yeah, literally I couldn't even. I couldn't. I literally, yeah. I actually, that's the only time I think that would be totally true for me. I, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm here. I'm so glad to be back. Awesome. So tonight's episode is sponsored by Write Notepads and Company, who are based right here, here for Johnny in Baltimore, where they literally make everything by hand. Their letterpress covers are made right here in Baltimore, and they're joined to 100% American-made materials and 100% Charm City know-how until they become a Write Notepads notebook. We covered the launch of the Reporter Notebook a little bit last week, um, me being the only one that had one in my hands. Brag, brag. So this joins their stenography book, which is 6 by 9 and their ledger, which is 3 by 6 to join to fill out their line of top-bound spiral notebooks, which is sort of becoming one of their things, that they make really good top-bound spiral notebooks. Um, launched in 2016 in the spring, they also have an exclusive membership, which is similar to a subscription, except that you're going to get extra stuff as a member, and you get a membership card, which is really cool. So card-carrying members receive additional perks and offers, and are the first to receive the seasonal releases. Um, Chris said that they all go out tomorrow morning, so USPS Priority and First Class International. So folks will have their stuff this week, tomorrow morning being Tuesday. So by the time you hear this, it's already on the way. Um, also, he won't tell me what it is, but if you're a member, I think they showed this in the video. If you're a member, your notebooks come in a special bag, and there's a super extra tchotchke, 
for members. He said, think Cracker Jacks, but you'll want to keep it forever. Mm. So I am going to lose sleep over this. <laughs> also, if you're a member for the Kindred Spirit Edition, you get all of your notebooks in a bag, and you get pencils that you can't buy otherwise, which are made to look like matches. This one's awesome. theme is, yeah. There are three notebooks in French papers, Butcher Orange. Which we should all be familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> but the logos change. There's a little flame, which is really cool. Um, these notebooks will have their new 70-pound stock, which is in the reporter's notebook and is possibly the best notebook paper ever. Um, they won't say what it is because it's super secret and awesome. <laughs> this is contained in a custom box, which they printed here. And they're stressing with this one that these notebooks are not meant to be stored or traded or sold on eBay. And if you're a member, you can't even touch anything unless you open the damn things. <laughs> so I, I think that's really cool. I don't, I don't hoard my notebooks. I mean, folks do. That's cool. Um, but the, the theme is sort of, you know, flaming barbecue summer style. So the notebooks come in a box that looks like a charcoal bag. And then there's an actual charcoal bag that you get your stuff in if you're a member, the deluxe pack. And the pencils, as we mentioned, look like matches. They're natural, and they have a red f eraser. Hmm. And John Moses, their photographer, is swearing they're like the smoothest pencil ever. So I'm losing sleep over that, too. And you're only getting those if you're a member. You get three in your pack. So they won't disclose the number of members, which I think is kind of cool because, you know, some secrets are good. Yeah. So you can purchase a Write Notepads membership. The link is in the show notes. They're $99 a year, and that includes shipping. Very, very fast shipping. Not just if you live in Baltimore. I only get mine a day faster than everybody else. And you'll get four shipments of cool notebooks, two three-packs, which is an awesome deal. And you get extra stuff, like we said. And you also get first dibs on things. If you're a member right now, the link is also in the show notes. You can go buy them, buy the three-packs right now if you're a member. If you're not a member... You can't log into the website to buy them, which is kind of cool. So if throughout the show anybody has any questions, write notepads are on the chat, so you can let us know. Or let them know if you chatted. I, I was wondering how they were going to outdo the Lenore edition just because it was so beautiful. Those pencils are so gorgeous. But mm -hmm. I think they've really, really kind of captured the feel of spring with this one. That, uh, yeah, that, that butcher paper was sort of that like flaming the little flame logo on it and then also the like outside cover of the notebook packs are just beautiful. Did you guys watch the Periscope? I missed it. Do you guys know out. what Periscope is? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I figured out what Periscope is when this came out. Excellent. Yeah. I watched, I watched Chris, um, Chris talk about all the, all the cool stuff on Periscope and it was, it was really cool. I love, love those designs. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I'm forgetting to talk about with these notebooks. Oh, so unrelated to the summer edition, just their regular pocket notebooks. And the last time I had one, I carried it in my pocket for a month and bent it this way and that to see if I could probably break the damn spine. And it seriously won't break. It won't lose pages. Because, <laughs> you know, they said, you know, you can't break it. But, you know, maybe it's a Baltimore hard-headed thing. I'm like, yeah, I can. But nope, couldn't. I've got it wet a couple times. a challenge? Times. Yeah, it smells. <laughs> but it held Ch together. Challenge accepted. Yeah, it's my kids thing. spilled various substances on them. <laughs> I spilled various substances on them, <laughs> but it all well worked out. And their new paper, like I said in the, um, the post I put on my blog this week, is that's completely amazing for pencil. It's really, really great. So now that I've rambled on about that a lot, <laughs> and thank you again to, to um, 
yeah, thank you again to Write Notepads for continuing to support our podcast. So Tim had an idea. We usually do the tools of the trade where we talk about what we're drinking and what we're writing with. So Tim's idea is that we should switch out or optionally switch out what you're drinking with some sort of thing that's got you right now, like a book, a movie, I guess a Netflix series, anything, which I think is an awesome idea. So June, as our guest, would you like to go first for Tools of the Trade? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I last weekend when it first went on Netflix, I was telling myself that I would uh, be very slow in my leisurely enjoyment of Orange is the New Black. And of course, I had inhaled the whole thing before weekend was done. Uh, I loved the season finale and the actually the whole season really of uh, Game of Thrones. I was podcasting about that on a Slate Plus podcast. Um, and uh, actually right now I have been watching uh, the most recent season, season four of House of Cards, which, you know, is not really that good of a show, but it's like good <laughs> enough to good enough to marathon, uh, which is like, I don't know if I would go back like one week after the next, but, you know, I'll hit play next episode. So I, that's exactly what I've been doing. Um, <laughs> and They're really good at hooking you at the end of each episode. So you'll come in, come in again at the next one. Totally. Like, okay, I've got nothing better to do. Okay, yeah, sure. Oh, and I also really love, although the first season of the uh, season, or the first episode of the season wasn't very good, I really like Endeavor, which is a sort of prequel to Inspector Morse that's currently in the masterpiece mystery slot on PBS. Uh, but I haven't watched episode two yet. And for my writing with, I am, I'm doing like an anti-Steinbeck or an anti-Lenore. I'm on the last page of a Snowbind Field Notes, and I am writing with a sort of completely white, so there's no marking on it, uh, Mitsubishi uh, mark sheet pencil, which I guess is the Japanese version of a uh, test scoring pencil. I say there's no marking. There's actually just a marking on the... It's also white, but there's that sort of Mitsubishi... I don't know what that shape is called, a kind of three, three-legged shape. Uh, so that's how you know it's one of theirs. But otherwise, um, it's completely without uh, branding hmm. so that's that's my what, my anti-steinbeck what would <laughs> we cool. what would we call like like the anti-lenore i'm trying to think of what the opposite yeah. of like edgar Allan poe is probably some like i don't know like elizabeth barrett browning or something uh, no, <laughs> no um elizabeth gilbert is the opposite of edgar Allan poe <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really really like her books a lot yeah yeah it's, it's, at all. it's the eat pray love edition <laughs> it's like Fight Club and Amelie. <laughs> <laughs> That's but it's but it's an awesome pencil, so I'm super happy with it. It's a it's a I didn't even realize I was making this statement until I sort of put it in front of the book. I'm like, oh yeah, it's white on white, tone on tone. Awesome. Who wants to go next? I can Who do that. The list, Andy. I uh, I like June. Am watching Orange Is the New Black. Although I am just to episode eight, I think. So unfortunately, I know what the big spoiler is, which I won't say for everybody here who watches it who doesn't know. My sister spoiled it for me. So oh, thanks, Molly. <laughs> and now <laughs> and now I'm a little bit sad every time this particular thing is foreshadowed. So uh, I'm also watching a show that I think is just starting to sort of like take off among some Americans, and that's The Great British Bake Off. Have you guys heard mm. of this? I have not. Yes, love it. Oh, it's so a, I, yeah, I assume, I assume you, June, June was, would know about this, but uh, being the pop culture 
like Maven that you are. But um, actually, I discussed this that uh, Mike Hurley and Tessa Sauri, Tessa from All Things Stationary, um, when I was in London, convinced me to watch it. And it's sort of like a British take on a like elimination contest reality show, except what's great is like everybody's really nice and supportive to each other. Mm. And uh, I season five or six, one of the seasons is on, on Netflix, and I just just finished that in prep in preparation for the next season or series, I should say, which will be shown on PBS. So that's, that's a, reminds me of a uh, MasterChef Junior. Whenever that comes on, it's the most like yeah. heartwarming thing ever to watch yeah. these like little kids who just like want everyone to win. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or they just like support each other, and like one of them gets kicked off the show, and they start crying, like exactly. giving them a hug, and like. Like and the, the adult one, they get kicked off, and everybody's like, "Yeah, get oh. out of here." <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's nice. Like they, the, this last one that I watched had like an like an older guy from from Scotland who, you know, is a, a really good baker, but he just doesn't put like any like flourishes in what he makes, and so everybody's like, "Come on, you can do it, you can do it." And like <laughs> the biggest, most dramatic thing that happened during this is somebody threw their botched uh, baked Alaska into the into the into the rubbish bin. And so every, mm -hmm. everybody called it the bincident. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it's really good because I, I like watching like people make these obscure like British baked goods. Uh, people make pies out of out of anything in England. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty great. So that's what I've been watching lately. Uh, you and didn't I, say the. You didn't say the weirdest thing about it, Andy, which is that for some reason that even British people don't really understand, I think, it all takes place in a tent in the middle of a field. It, that's and true. So, and so it's like, you know, it adds this level of complication because like with the, the guy who threw away, who you know, the incident, it was yeah. because it was really, really hot and his yeah. stuff had been taken out. Was like, well, why were you in this field in the sun anyway? It's, like, it's so it. weird. It's a, so, so, June, I, this may not be the time or the place for this, but I want to pitch to you a new podcast where... <laughs> Me, a like consummate American, and you, a British expat, watch Bake Off and talk about it <laughs> from different points of view. So, uh, I'm yeah, that Viennoiserie <laughs> looks delicious. Yes, I might say. yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's, and I just finished a uh, book called uh, Paper, which um, you can hear me and Johnny talk about on there's another podcast, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, so yeah, Tim, what about you? Oh, and, and I am writing with a, um, my new timber twist bullet pencil with a cedar point number one inside, uh, oh, nice. writing in my, um, uh, field notes byline edition. So I'll talk more about both cool. of those when we get to fresh point. Yeah. Tim, how about you? Yes. I've been smitten with an album by a guy named William Tyler, who, have you ever heard of Leo Kotke? Who's the, he's a yeah. guitar player, solo guitar player, kind of rootsy, plays by himself, plays 12 strings. It's just kind of like wild instrumental stuff. Uh, and William Tyler's a younger guy who's in his tw late 20s, I think, and kind of similar. But um, he's taken it in a totally different direction with this last one. He's, I guess you call him a guitarist and a composer, instrumental stuff. Uh, but uh, the new album, Modern Country, don't be thrown off by the country thing if you don't like country music. <laughs> it's not uh, not related, but he basically just composes these really beautiful, pretty mellow uh, instrumental tunes. And instead of just guitar on this new album, he's got two, uh, well, actually a member of the band Tweedy, Jeff Tweedy with, of Wilco, mm -hmm. and the drummer of Wilco are 
playing with him. And so he recorded this just beautiful, gorgeous, awesome album. Check it out on Spotify or, or buy it. It's actually um, available pretty much everywhere. So I would really recommend it. It's perfect for background music, but also like when you really sit down and you listen closely to it, you can get a lot out of it. You just kind of see layers and layers underneath. Very cool stuff. There, He was actually opening for Wilco over the last uh, couple months, uh, if you're a Wilco fan. And I'm reading a book. Uh, I actually got, I have an advanced copy of a book called Stephen King's The Body. Uh, and it's part of a series, oops, it's part of a series called Bookmarked that's being done by IG Publishing. And um, I got an advanced copy to review for a website called Alt Current. And hmm. the idea is they get these writers from all over the place. And this one's a fellow named Aaron Birch, who's also the editor of Hobart Pulp uh, Lit Magazine. And they asked him to pick something, a book that was, you know, a very influential form or something that's important to them. And then they write a book about the book, but it's not, it's not just a review. It's, it turns into, they'll, they'll work fiction into it and they'll do all these sort of like different things, kind of vamp off of the book that they're talking about. Um, it's a really cool series, but I'm reading that book and really enjoying it. And it comes out in a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll have a review up on alt current, uh, in probably the next week or so. So, uh, I put a link in the show notes to read an excerpt from it. So you can get an idea from hobartpulp.com, the, the website and a magazine that Aaron Birch runs. Um, yeah, so that's that. And I'm also writing with my Timber Twist with a Palomino HB, and I'm using my Right Notepads Lenore. Awesome. So that's me. So I'm going to be the only one that admits that I'm drinking. So I'm <laughs> um, usually not. I'm not having coffee for once. I'm drinking. There's a new spirit that's somehow related to the gentleman from Under Armour, and it's got some sort of Maryland connections, although it's distilled in Indiana, called Sagamore Spirit Rye. So if you're a rye lover and you live in Maryland where you can buy it, it's a really amazing rye. I don't know. What's what's 40 bucks? Is it the high end of mid? Something like that. Not too bad. Um, it's very delicious with two ice cubes. Um, and for reading, so since I can't stop breeding, we have these little traditions. <laughs> like... Right before we have kids, I always – so right before we have a kid, I always read Divisadero by Michael Andante, which actually has nothing to do with parenting at all. It's just a really beautiful book. I don't know, if you're not an Andante fan, then I don't know. You shouldn't read books anymore because he's amazing. Um, he wrote The English Patient most famously, which is a beautiful book. But his later books are a lot less flowery, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. My wife wouldn't finish English Patient. She's like, it's a 300-page poem. Like, oh, it's, a, it's a hella long movie too. Yeah. yeah, the movie was not so different. No spoilers, but that's like two chapters of the book. Lame. Although Ray Fiennes is pretty amazing. Um, and I'm starting the new, spe- the new season of Orange is the New Black after we podcast tonight because Yay. I haven't seen it yet. Um, also, I'm finishing up season four of Wallander, the UK version with Kenneth Branagh. Have you guys ever watched that show before? No. No. Yeah. It's sort of this existentialist Swedish detective played by Brana. They've done four seasons of three episodes, and this is it. This is going to be it for the show. Hmm. So I think it aired in the U.S. on Masterpiece. Yeah. So I've then recorded it. It's a really, really good show. You should definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah. Um, it's perfect, and it'll make you want to buy a Volvo XC70, which I want. The wagon. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and for Divisadero, I don't know how this relates to I keep thinking of pencils when I think of this book, but there's not a single pencil in the book. 
but <laughs> it's a really good book for this time of year. There's a character named Raphael who's a gypsy, and he carries basil in his pocket, so they always can make a salad. So it's sort of basil season. So yeah. It's like ED, EDS, everyday salad, like or everyday curry salad. <laughs> <laughs> like music and... Check out my tactical My <laughs> <laughs> Tactical salad spinner. It's got a pepper grinder app on his phone. I always get the titanium basil. It's so much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like mine just all blackout. Like everything's black. <laughs> black the high carbon out. one is very good, but it's prone to rust. And it's <laughs> yeah. humid summer, so we have in Maryland. So like you guys, I'm also writing with my timber twist. But I'm lazy and it has the stock 602 in it. Hmm. So but, that damn good pencil. Yeah, it's a fine, fine pencil. So shall we move on to fresh points? Yeah. Let's do it. So first, so we should let the guests go first, and I realized that I didn't introduce June at all. So if you live under some sort of, you know, Iron Curtain and you have no idea who June Thomas is, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, June? Who am I? Um, yes, I mostly uh, write at Slate and podcast at Slate. So I, of late or so, I've been writing a lot about uh the Brexit. Uh, I was the foreign editor for many years, uh, though now I mostly write about television and also I write foreign edit uh, uh, Slate's LGBTQ uh, section and also uh, do a bunch of podcasts, including the X Gabfest. Uh, but I also write for other magazines. I write about television for Marie Claire and um, I've done a couple of pieces for uh, Bloomberg Pursuits. Um, I was just in Alaska writing uh, or reporting a piece for them a couple of weeks ago uh, and just a few other places here and there, but those are the main ones. So basically, June is the coolest person I know and probably the coolest person you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uncool, but yes. It, 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 that, that, that could be true, but it's not much of a comment on me. It's more of a comment on you and the, ooh, bird, bird. <laughs> I know a lot of boring people. <laughs> Somebody in the chat goes, June makes me feel lazy in the best way possible. <laughs> Let's go into Alaska to report on the whales. Sorry. That <laughs> way. Um, yeah, so. Cool. And June, do you want to... Shall I launch into my... My fresh points? Please do. So, um, as I said, I'm writing these days about Brexit. And on the actual day of voting, there's always a problem. Uh, on election day, you have to have content, especially these days where you have to just be, you know, posting things all the time. But on election day, when people are voting, there really isn't anything to say. You know, you can kind of predict a few things, but that's just emptiness. Um, and so one of the things that I wrote about, so I was taking, I was participating in this circle of emptiness, but I was mostly uh, commenting on something that was the British press, especially the tabloid press, was really full of, was um, the war on pencils, as I headlined it, which was typically, I think as TJ Cosgrove has noted a couple of times, uh, last May when it was the British general election, and then I think he also uh, noted last week, um, they typically use these weird, stubby, fat pencils. Um, I didn't know what they were. I didn't know who made them until TJ posted something. Um, the Shaw's voting pencil is called. Um, and, you know, it's, they don't have to be um, a special, you know, test scoring pencil because it's, they're not 
the votes aren't counted by machines. They're actually manually counted by people in town halls and places like that. So this year, because people were paranoid, it had been a very rancorous debate. And as we see, it's still going on. Um, there was a whole little mini movement that, according to the Daily Mirror, which is not always the most reliable source, was fueled by social media to encourage people not to use the pencils provided because they could be rubbed out, as, as uh, protesters pointed out, but instead to use pens. So um, I reposted something that I found on the Daily Mirror uh, website, which was a video of a guy who looked like a very nice, sincere guy. I'm not really mocking him, but um, who was sitting on a sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a lawn chair outside the polling station, handing out um, pens to people, so ballpoint pens, uh, because he was encouraging people not to use the pencil because they were subject to uh, erasure and having your vote changed. Oh, man, um, shots, shots fired. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> it was very, and, and in fact, again, because the first editions of the newspapers didn't really have anything to say, actually made it to the cover of more than one of the first edition of the Friday morning newspapers. Um, and I don't know, you know, the, the, the election commission... Uh, you know, tweeted and said, you don't have to use the pencils, you can use pens. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess it never works to say, I promise you the pencils or pencil votes, uh, you know, won't be tampered with. Um, but it was, you know, pencils have been used forever. It was just very odd that some suddenly they, people had lost their faith in pencils uh, as a, that they would, you know, their, their vote would, would count and wouldn't be messed with. So it was very interesting to me and seemed, um, I don't know, sort of indicative of, of what people losing their faith in pencils somehow. It seemed very sad. That's, that's really interesting because um, the U.S. government has a relationship with pencils in that when they do the census every 10 years, mm -hmm. the census mm -hmm. takers have like special pencils that they use. And in fact, when David Reese came on our show, he said that that's where he first was sort of introduced to like the interest of a pencil. Yeah, I've actually seen a whole bunch of people say that their their interest in pencils was started either when they were working for the census or whatever, and 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 had those pencils. So it, I know they're, you know, I know that this is not a show where y'all talk about collectability, but I know that people love to collect those census pencils. Hmm. Um, the Shaw's voting pencils, I think, it would be very special circumstances to use them because it's there's there. There's I, maybe it's so that there'll be no incentive to try to steal them, but they're not <laughs> very comfortable pencils to write with. Um, another thing, I know that um, people are, well, I, I imagine that many people are familiar with MOOC cards, uh, which are, uh, they make business cards. They first got famous for little mini cards, which were kind of half the height of typical business cards. And they, again, they came to um, fame, I guess, because you can, uh, upload photos and so you can kind of either show off your photography or just you know you've got some amazing image that you just feel you want to put on a business card that that kind of became famous um and i should just point out before i go further that i have no connection with new cards other than as a customer but um when i was recently looking for some more cards um i found this set that i thought was really cool it has a pencil um on one side so where you have your name and your contact information uh there's a sort of generic american yellow pencil uh with a 
a decent medium point. It, they certainly, obviously, it wasn't sharpened with a uh, with a classroom friendly, although it is a drawing. But still, you can tell the model wasn't sharpened with a, a classroom friendly. And then on the other side, there are sort of various types of paper. Um, there are actually five options, but you can choose not to have some of the options uh, in your pack. So I have like a yellow legal pad that reminds me of the the legal pads that Tim encouraged me to buy and that I've been using and enjoying. Uh, and then there's there's kind of a, a green, I guess, scientific rule of some kind, you know, one of those grids within grids kind of rules. Um, and there's another one that I don't have in front of me, but, um, you know, not a sponsorship opportunity, but uh, they'll be in the show notes so people can, uh, can, can see them. And there's also some stationary options in the mini cards, um, in the Moo designs, um, but I have to say they seem to be pencil free. It's all sort of ball points and, and gel pens. So not so attractive in the mini cards. This episode um, brought to you by Moo. No, just <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I also like, so I did just change to this white pencil, uh, partly because I was looking at the pencils I bought back from Japan to talk with you today. But I, until I just picked, until I just started this new pencil, I've gotten another one that I have worked down to. I'm afraid I, I've forgotten the, the taxonomy of stubbage that you guys worked out. It's, <laughs> it's well beyond the Steinbeck stage. It's basically, at this point, my finger and thumb are covering all that's left of the lacquer. So there's really nothing left. It's, it's, not, it's inches away from the sort of whatever you call that, the pocket of my of my hand and I'm just kind of wondering if you guys have any theory kind of why we persist in using pencils when it's almost to the point of being uncomfortable to use them that way and of course some people would say thriftiness but and that's a good point and I I know that it would be wasteful to throw it away before it was completely done but I mean I'm already wasteful in that or I have I don't know how many, maybe hundreds of pencils that are probably more, you know, they're probably whatever that thing is, uh, you know, stash acquisition beyond life mm. expectancy. See, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't, I know I don't really like, it's a fake thriftiness. It's a story I'm telling myself. Um, and I, it, the pencil that I've been using um, is one of those mono J's, uh, which are nice. It's a great pencil, but it's not like it's the only pencil I have that will be this good. It's not like oh, this very, very, very special pencil that I can never, you know, get again. Um, I just wonder, it's like it's almost performative to be using it to such a small stub. Um, I feel like some people enjoy the challenge. Like they just want the yeah. challenge of using it to the nub, like, which is fine. I, and if you don't use something like a bullet pencil or an extender, which I, I've grown to yeah. kind of hate the extenders, then I, yeah, you're you're saving yourself, <clears throat> you know, eleven cents or something, and yeah. and for me personally, I mean, I, kind of with you, it just sort of annoys me when they get down too small, and uh, I end up having to think about it too much. So, but I think yeah. some people just want the challenge of, I will yeah. use every last centimeter of this pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just cleaned my desk the other day, and I I found like another stub, and all that's left. Um, is are the letters seven two five and you know and the and the <laughs> and the still you know and it's you know the call for rule and all but like why 
<laughs> do you ever do you ever use the black wing down to the stub and then just sort of like use the the flat wide ferrule to just like hold on with your like, <laughs> index finger and it like gives you a better grip when you're trying to be stubborn. <laughs> well, certainly it is easier with the black wings because of the long ferrule. But yeah, it's it. I, I don't even know why I'm doing it. Yeah. Are, are you a um? Are you a go go all the way, Johnny? Um. Usually when I get to halfway, I start just putting it aside and using another pencil. I'm really horrible and wasteful. <laughs> you I don't horrible. throw it away. I don't sharpen another one, but it's like, well, I've got half of a cedar point number one, so I'm not going to use them anymore for a while because now I have to make a decision. Is this going to be a short pencil or am I getting a new one? I um... <laughs> That's not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think this speaks to my personality. I feel like I lose the pencil before it gets down to that, that length. I, I lose it or I give it away to somebody. It's good to share. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. good <laughs> Here, take the stubby pencil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, ever tried a black wing? Boom, here it is. <laughs> it's an Here's inch and a half long, but yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. No, I, just, just before it ever gets to that point, I usually like mm -hmm. leave it somewhere or I give it to somebody. Um, usually somewhere between like kind of a longer stage in the Steinbeck stage. I, I also forget the taxonomy of stubbage right now, which uh, I think we need TJ to make us a poster so we can put it on our wall and remember. That sounds like some sort of noir movie. <laughs> taxonomy <laughs> of stubbage. Yeah. Everybody's got these itty-bitty little notebooks they pull out and lick their finger. <laughs> Everyone has a derringer. Yeah. <laughs> That's, when we get together in real life, we're going to make this film. <laughs> I can't it's going to be awesome. We'll make it on a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring my fog machine. Yes. <laughs> and my final fresh point is that uh, when I was listening to the last episode and um, hearing the talk of erasers, I was remembering that, um, a friend who I don't see very often. We live in separate cities, uh, but um, she's an artist and, and she knows that I like stationery and she knew that I had been in Japan and had acquired, um, like, in one in one brief period had acquired a lot of stuff so she wanted to she was in town so she wanted to come over and look at it but like there was a lot it was all it was kind of a, a small suitcase but still a suitcase that everything was wrapped up so they like there was a padding but it was kind of full of stuff and so I said to her you know we should have a safe word so that if you feel like you really kind of have gotten to that point where it's feeling like it's kind of you know, the neighbor's slideshow circa 1985, where you're like, if I have to look at one more Florida beach, you know, I, I can't anymore. Um, <laughs> but you said that and like, there won't be any bad feelings. Like, I'll just close the suitcase and that will be it. And I was really sort of impressed and, and you know, just kind of moved that the safe word that she chose was pink pearl. Oh. <laughs> and, it, and it was only, only at the end Really, I think we almost got through the almost the entire contents of the suitcase before she said, "Pink pearl, no more." <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of. Um, did you ever listen to any of the incomparable podcasts? Um, it's about like you know TV shows or it, it's a it's a pop culture show, but they they use something called the spoiler horn that they sound before <laughs> they're going to start talking about like spoilers. It uh, sounds like a conch shell or something they're blowing yeah. into, like, <laughs> home, yeah. like a vuvuzela or something. Yeah. That thing's called. I think yes. we, we we need a uh, we need a safe word on this this podcast for when we're about to go really deep on something. 
<laughs> it's like we're about to use colorful language. Yeah. Hey, turn back. Ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> turn back if you send the nerd horn. The nerd horn. <laughs> the nerd horn. You do a duck call or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, that was the worst thing I ever heard in my life. Yeah, that was troubling. That's like Donald Duck hey. coughing up a lung, you know? Well, it's just Baltimore. Tobacco country. Oh. I do want to uh, save that um, and just, just use that for whenever you say a swear word, Johnny. Like, no more typewriter pills. <laughs> Instead, we're going to use that <laughs> demonic duck sound. <laughs> Do my son's impression of a fart. That's really funny. It just basically spits all over the wall. <laughs> you know, there's there's a really cool station. Next time that you're at, at um, uh, CW Pencils, I can't believe I almost had trouble getting the, that name uh, in my memory. But next time you're at CW Pencils, a few blocks away, really pretty close, there's a really cool stationery store. Well, just kind of weird, weird thing store called Top Hat. And they have a lot of stationery because they're the distributor of Delphonics uh, pens and paper. But they also have other weird things, including a wide variety of duck calls. Uh, so, you know, you could actually purchase a duck call for this purpose so that Johnny, do so that Johnny doesn't have to, uh, you know, go into spasm. Yeah. To, to make <laughs> Johnny will anyway, though, so... <laughs> I've cut back on the coffee. I so I, I didn't listen to your episode, June, where you on the Pen Addict, where you talk about stationary stores in New York until after I went to uh -huh. New York last time um, when we had brunch, which was amazing, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I I definitely top drawer or top hat is on my on my list now. It's funny because in San Francisco we have a Itoya store called Top Drawer. And it is. It also sells Delphonics. It sells like the Rolban, and it has yeah, yeah. the um, oh, like the weird Pan Am stuff. Uh, no, that's yeah. Midori. That's not. That's not. That's Midori, isn't it? That's not Rolban or Delphonics. Uh, Rolban is Delphonics, but I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. It, anyhow, yeah. It, it's it's funny because there's top hat, there's top drawer. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That is the end of my fresh points. All right. I can I can go next. Um, yeah. I, I suppose we should. Um, I think Johnny has reserved the the Baltimore right of talking about um, the reporter's notepad um, because well, he, we talked about it last week quite a bit. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, you should mention your blog post though. Yeah. Um, but I well I don't have one yet. The the right pads one. I need to get one. Um, but I am I am using the um, the byline reporter's notepad right now, and it's. There's there's some really good things about it and there's some really like not so good things about it which which tell me that they like I mean it is sort of like a hipster version of a of a reporter's notepad right so like it's it's really lovely it looks beautiful it has really amazing paper um, it has like a really gorgeous cover um, but there there are some practical things about when I used to use actual reporter's notepads um, that I'm kind of missing from this. Uh, one of them is that with this cover that goes over the spiral, it doesn't really lay flat um, on the surface of my desk very well. You have yep. to sort of like bend it back and then fold it down in order to get it to lay down. Do you feel like they were just trying to do something different with the reporter's notebook just to do something different? Or what I, is it, do you think there's a purpose yes. to that? Like they did it for a reason. I, I'm thinking part of it is, is after, so, I 
have no real experience in a newsroom. I worked at a small town daily. Um, I interned and then I, I worked in the art section and then I uh, was a copy editor. But I would use before I ever even knew it, before Field Notes even existed, I used reporters' notepads. And they were like white cardboard cover with like this blue writing on it. Um, and it's a really mm -hmm. like thick cardboard stock, um, which, which also the right notepads does. But one thing about it is it had a really cheap spiral bound. Um, and eventually after sticking out of your back pocket, the spiral would get, would get caught on something and it just start to like mm -hmm. come undone. Um, yeah. So June, you worked in a, in a newsroom, right? Um, I you know I've never really worked in a, a newsroom newsroom. I mean, I've worked at magazines, but not really, uh, newspapers. Okay. Um, so my, I feel like my use of reporters notepads is a slight affectation, the kind of unraveling of the spiral that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and so I think that maybe this thing was meant to cover the spiral so it doesn't come unbound. But unfortunately, that also makes it hard to kind of lay flat. Um, I, I assume, and, and granted, I haven't had this long enough to really use it over time. Um, so I, I don't know if it'll just kind of like even out. But but so that that's kind of weird. And then I also sort of realized that it has a really, actually, I prefer the lining in here. But in reporter's notepads, the lining is a little extra wide, like in those traditional uh, more like a, a like Nemo sign or something that has a very wide rule. Um, and I think it's because when you're scribbling notes furiously, um, you don't have time to write small. So um, I've seen a lot of like pros, you know, just write this really huge, like scribbly script. Um, and I, I feel like, um, yeah, this doesn't really allow you to do that. You, you can take your time a little bit more, but and th that plus the fact that it doesn't have a really good hard cardboard backing. Um, when I'm when I'm standing up and writing in this, I, I don't have a really good solid backing for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's a it's a gorgeous notebook. I love the pocket. I love the spiral bound. I love the way it looks. I love this paper. Um, yeah. But it but it isn't sort of like as true to reporters' notepads as I think the pocket notebooks are to like agricultural notebooks. Mm -hmm. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I I agree. And, and as I think um, Brad Dowdy mentioned this on the pen addict last week, uh, but when you sort of have it in, in like turn around mode, you know, as if you were really using it like uh, a reporter's notebook, there's this odd, you know, again, because of that, you know, innovative way of kind of almost covering the spiral, the spiral. Yeah. Um, there's kind of like an inch at the bottom that sticks like they're uneven. There's the, the Mm. the front and the back are uneven which I, I don't like it's not a big deal but it I don't know it feels a bit yeah. weird so I feel I feel the same way it's just it's it looks great but I'm not sure it's totally practical yeah um and of course you know it's my my good pal John was the um you know John John Dickerson who's now on mm. uh, Face the Nation but um and is still on a, a Slate podcast but was for many years a, a Slate political chief political correspondent and um, is a you know a great guy and a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, so I certainly would never say anything bad about the the byline, but it feels like it's more less. Is sometimes the case with field notes. Like it's great in theory, but yeah. I it's got a lot of like it's innovative. Yeah. And that's great. And there's a lot of good things, but there's also a number of it's, bad it, things. Whereas the the right notebook I love. It's like it's a, a like it's it's a reporter's notebook, but with really really awesome paper. Yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on this. Yeah, I need to I need so to buy. So pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so my bylines came damaged because the box was oh. crushed. 
So the corners where the um, the cover bends are with spiral bent, and uh -huh. the, I wouldn't think that would destroy so much, but it made it kind of unusable. The paper kept bending in the corners. Hmm. Oh. So, I mean, they replaced them, of course. Field notes is also always awesome about that. Yeah. But I didn't want them to. I'm like, well, it's dinged up, no big deal. But it was a little hard to use after that. Yeah. So, and I'm also wondering, as you open and close, how long is that cover going to last? Yeah, it's um, the way it just kind of like folds over the spiral. Yeah, I feel like just a good like you can just damage that cover just by like accidentally stepping on it or hitting it hard or something. It's, yeah, just using it. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry, I cut you off, Tim. No, I, I was say I don't have one in hand, but I definitely give them high props for going for something. Oh yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's like yeah, it's definitely unlike cool something notebook. they've done. So it's really, really cool they went for it. And uh, it's funny, like reporters' notebooks are now becoming like even before that came out. Yeah, I feel like they're getting a lot of attention. There's some cool ones coming out, and I started thinking about them because of uh, I, I just finished reading David Sedaris's uh, "Let's Talk About Diabetes and Owls," mm -hmm. or is that what it's called? <laughs> In owls, with owls, yeah, and, so. with owls, with owls. Yeah, which is a it was an incredible book. And then there's just you know he's a very well-known user of the reporter's notebook and i was like oh yeah that's interesting like he talks about always carrying a reporter's notebook around with him everywhere he goes yeah you know, like kind of piqued my interest a couple months ago and I, I can't wait to get my hands on the right notepads one but i don't really feel like an urgent desire to get the byline i'm going to go down uh to the place in johnson city here that carries field notes and just grab one there when they yeah. when they show up but i'm not going to like order and pay the shipping i'll just wait until they until they I, show up i was i so all the way through high school and college, I, I wanted nothing more just to than to just be a reporter for like a newspaper, and I I definitely like appropriated the look. I, I wore a um, safari jacket around a Cabela's safari jacket <laughs> with a reporter's notepad sticking out of like the the side pockets. So I do you have oh. pictures of this you can share? Um, I actually still still wear that that um, safari jacket because like it's the perfect spring jacket for San Francisco weather. Mm. Yeah, whenever it gets a little colder, rainy, it doesn't, um, or colder, windy, it doesn't keep out rain, you know, for crap. But it, it, it's great with wind and then just like the slight cold. So, I, I definitely have some pictures, and I'll, I'll take some again to, to share. Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's your Luke, so, Luke Danes. Yeah, it really I've got, is. I've, I've got one of those too. I love that thing. <laughs> the, the Luke Danes look. He, I feel like he has a little bit more of a um, padded. Uh, I don't know, like he has like some lining in that. Yeah. Oh, another uh, another slate podcast pitch uh, for you, June, is I think the three of us and then the CW pencils people need to do the Gilmore Girls podcast. <laughs> well, there's there's well, we've been in discussions about the Gilmore Girls podcast. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, our After Dark episode like turned out way better than I thought. So <laughs> this, this is do an Emily so, Gilmore podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Her different outfits. <laughs> <laughs> How she wore a few of them a few times. <laughs> I don't have that written down anywhere. Johnny's Emily Gilmore podcast is going to be. I don't have it memorized or anything. <laughs> yeah. but... She's still well preserved. I saw some shots from yeah. the, uh, the new series. Well preserved. It sounds like she's a mummy or something. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice way of saying she's really old, but she's still hot. She's, she's well That's horrible. horrible. She's well pickled, well pickled with all those martinis. <laughs> You know, she was the original person, you know, in the chorus. You know how a chorus line was um, actually kind of it started as a whole bunch of gypsy dancers getting together and just talking about all the experiences that they'd had. And yeah. she was one of those people. 
the actress and you know everything is ballet is her life i think it's kelly bishop right yeah kelly bishop um i I feel like i saw her also in um an episode of mcmillan and wife from back in the day (laughs) um love that we were we were just watching it when it was on netflix and and there was somebody who like she was very young and she but she sounded exactly like kelly bishop so i like went to look it up it's like holy crap it was and this is horrible to say it was either her or that woman who plays lucille bluth from arrested development <laughs> i always hey. them up. i know <laughs> only a first glance you guys aren't connoisseurs of <laughs> handsome women like i am <laughs> all right <laughs> my, my last um, my last fresh point is um I want to talk about some really, this is like the notebook episode, I guess. Um, uh, Toffer actually set kind of like introduced me to them. There's a um, creative agency out of Texas called a civil Fox. I'm not sure where that name, that name came from, but um, they, they have a kind of a creative side hustle, which is the way they make these really gorgeous notebooks called print prologue. And they are, um, Oh, basically sort of an A5 size. It's it's five inches by seven inches, so it's a little bit more Americanized of a size. But they make uh, three notebooks in this edition, and one of them, uh, the cover is foil stamped. One of them, the cover is letter pressed. And one of the one of them, the cover is uh, risographed, which risographed being like a cross between like an offset printer and a like photocopier. And they're just like exceedingly good quality. The cover has... Um, just information about all the like the production and the size and the stock and binding. It has like all of the sort of like field notes, um, like ephemera in it, but on the cover. And it's just really, really gorgeous. Um, I think I posted a picture. Brad Doughty got some at the same time. He posted a picture. Um, I would like to say that I posted mine hours before Brad did. So take that, Doughty. So, so pencils Boom. are better. Yeah, so obviously pencils are better. This podcast is better. <laughs> So, <laughs> although he did beat us to uh, get June Thomas on on his show, so <laughs> so they could be better. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I'm going to send you guys each one of these, uh, and of course they have some uh, gorgeous little pencils that come with it too that say print prologue. Um, there, I couldn't hazard a guess as to where they would print it, but I'm guessing Musgrave. It seems like like standard Musgrave pencil, you know, number five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna send these out. Um, you guys are gonna have to fight over which which ones you want. If you want the foil stamp or the letterpress or the risograph, but they're all gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a nice dot grid in there. That the dots it, the dots are darker and set wider apart than like a like the Baron Fig dot grid, for example. But yeah, they're really nice. So I'll have a link in show notes to finding finding your own print prologue notebooks. Um, yeah, so that is all I had to talk about. Um, how about you, Tim? Uh, yeah, well, first thing I was going to bring up is the Timber Twist, because I don't, um, and I have to be totally honest, I haven't even had a chance to listen to the last episode that I wasn't on uh, yet. <laughs> I can't wait, because I can't wait to hear Anna talk. I always love when we had her on. We just but, talk crap about you. Well, that's what, that's, <laughs> see, that's yeah. my, my insecurities <laughs> prevented me from it. listening to that, because I was like, I, I just can't handle them. Like just scolding me for oh, yeah. an hour and a half, but pour yourself a drink, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll prepare wisely. Um, but I was just going to bring up the Timber Twist because I got mine, and I'm going to be totally honest. This is my favorite stationary thing I own. Um, wow. Like I 
love it. I've been carrying it everywhere. It is just perfect for me. I mean, it's like the only thing that can make a Palomino HP better is to put it in one of these things. Like I just been carrying it every single day, using it all the time. I think the weighting is a little bit better. Oh yeah. Than the yeah, in the original one, it's it balances really nicely even with a full stub in there. I just love this thing. I can't like I I got mine with the walnut and it looks good. It has character. You know, mine has like a nice knot right in the middle of it. Mm. Um, and I got it with the uh, clip and eraser. Just can't get enough of it. So I just need to give John some really, really high praise for that because I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And it was like that was one of my first thoughts after a couple of days using it, a couple of days using it and sitting down and be like, okay, what do I think of this? It's this and my Franklin Kristoff fountain pen that I got in a trade with Mike Dudek. Like these two things are the best thing I have. Like <laughs> I just love it. I, so I think they did a killer job. I don't I don't know about you guys, but I just think it's I've been loving mine too. I got the mm -hmm. um I got the twist with the kind of aluminum like stubby cap and then um mm -hmm. well not the cap. What do you call the thing what do you call it at the end of the pencil itself? The actual do you, have, do you have the clip on there or just the the, the I have a clip and then I have the low profile like cap on the top. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't have the eraser hole. Sorry. I have that on the other one, yeah. Yeah, and so I have I have that eraser on the other one, so I figured I can just mix and match if ever I need to. But mm -hmm. but then I have the aluminum thing that attaches to the stub um that's more stubby, like a like a snub nose rather than like rounded one. Yeah. Um and I I agree. I think the weight is way better. Um it's it's a, only a little bit lighter. I think that he said like 0.3 ounces lighter than the aluminum one, but I definitely think it's noticeable. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah I think it's where it is. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, where the weight is. Yeah, or where it's yeah. not. Um, and I honestly <laughs> can't remember. I mean, do you know if is there a way to take the tube off and put a different tube on, or do you need to like buy if you want to get a different? Uh, type of wood you have to buy a totally different oh, twist i don't good think question. you can take it off but uh, i didn't think so which is probably a good yeah, call on their part just because <laughs> yeah i'd hate to be like taking them on and off and then all of a sudden they start like spinning and they're all yeah. loose and stuff so anyways but this thing's awesome and i'm gonna keep carrying it every day i love yeah. it uh which, which wood did you get i got walnut i got walnut too. I got yeah that was, we, uh, we all got dudek dudek influenced i think yeah <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that. I was thinking mm -hmm. about we have um, so at, at at work there's a there's a wood shop of course, <laughs> obviously, oh. and um, one of the things it has in it is a a laser like like etcher you can like engrave things into like metal or wood, Whoa. and I was thinking about um, trying to get some and then like just engraving the erasable logo into the, in the into this thing. You should just uh, just get engraved Thug Life on the yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously or stub life you should have stub, stub life, life. <laughs> oh, stub life. idea stub, stub muffin stub muffin <laughs> there's your episode title stub muffin stub muffin yeah that's uh, awesome yeah no I, I really love mine i think that this is um this is like I, the the aluminum one is like gorgeous and amazing um and this one is just like better and only because like I'm just a big fan of like wood grain. Yeah. 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 They crushed it. So yep. good job, John, Jay, Metal Shop. Um, did, did, you, did you do that Kickstarter, June? I did. And I, I'm really interested to hear you talking about the 
Timetwist because I, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but it, like the waiting didn't really work for me. It felt unbalanced just mm. for me, you know? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, so this is really interesting because I'm thinking that perhaps I, you know, there were two that came together um, or, you know, two bullet pencil kind of, although um, um, uh, Kickstarters that, and I both, but, I didn't really use either of them because the waiting mm -hmm. just didn't feel right. So yeah. I might give it another go, given how much you all are endorsing it. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a really light touch when you write, or do you kind of bear down? Um, I think I'm kind of light touch. It was more just the way that it felt like it was too tall, and it felt like it mm -hmm. was the mm -hmm. weight was right at the back. You know, it was too far back, and it just didn't feel. I don't know. I just wasn't. Mo I I like the traditional bullet pencils more, although I don't like the smell. Yeah, the, you know mm -hmm. the way that they often have that kind of metallic, metallic smell. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So I don't know. I'm sounding very picky, but no, no, no. I, I, there's a lot to do with like the length, the size of your hand, and how hard you press. Because like yeah. for me, the other one, the weighting was always off because I have a really light touch and it was too heavy on the back, and so I felt like I was holding it. Like I had to like hold it down, which just worked out for me. I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still mm -hmm. use the other one quite a bit, but this one just fits my sweet spot, I guess. I choke up mm. on my pencils a lot, so I, I like the waiting is a little bit better for me because I'm not choke up. I like ease off on that a lot. Mm -hmm. I hold mm -hmm. it higher up on the on the barrel. Yeah. Mm. Well, the only other thing I'll mention today for fresh points, and this is a really quick one, but and I could have mentioned this when we were talking about uh, media the, that were taken in, is I've been watching the uh, show Sports Night, Aaron Sorkin's first series. Great show. Uh, yeah, which I had never, I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. I've watched West Wing several times and I've seen all of his mm -hmm. movies, but I had never seen Sports Night and I found out it was on Hulu. And so I've been working through it. And just if anybody hasn't seen it, you should watch it. Uh, it's, it's a good show, but it is also covered in pencils. It is like a show where you, like every single scene you see, there are Ticonderogas all over the place. Like all the characters use pencils. So just kind of a fun little thing because you see it uh, as kind of a, uh, a thread throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole show. It's a great show, but lots of pencil fun in there. So check it out. It's it's a, interesting if also for like if you're an Aaron Sorkin fan, which you all if you've seen it might have already noticed this, but that I've been noticing lines that are recycled between West Wing and Sports Night. I saw your tweet about this. There's been two that I've caught so far. Um, which the the one I can remember is when. President Bartlett says to his daughter, like, all you had to do to make me happy is come home at the end of the day. Uh -huh. That line is used in the in Sports Night as well. Casey says it to his son. And then there's also the Thomas Merton quote, um, the prayer, the, uh, it's something like, God, I, I know that the paraphrasing is, you're happy that I'm trying to please you even if I'm screwing up you're happy that I tried or something like that. <laughs> and he uses that in both of them. So well, I, it's kind of a little, little fun fact. I'm a Gilbert and Sullivan fan, like the old British, like mm -hmm. writer. Oh, there's tons of Gilbert and Sullivan. So much Gilbert and Sullivan. And I, yeah. I finally just like looked it up. I'm, I Googled like, what's the deal with Aaron Sorkin and Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> and mm -hmm. apparently he's just like a big fan of their, like just the prose in that, just because of all the crazy rhymes. And it, it is kind of the musical version of, how he writes dialogue like oh definitely yeah. well, you know he was a musical theater major yeah in yeah college so that's are, are you listening to the west wing podcast tim oh absolutely <laughs> devouring it i love it so much yeah. yeah so that's that's all i got so johnny 
Talk about your sweet post you did the other day. Oh, so I finally got around to comparing the two reporters' notebooks. Gary Varner and I had talked about it, and I both didn't get field notes that weren't crushed and also completely just dropped the ball. So I was a week late. But um, so I, we're gonna put, I'll put a note in the note in the um in the show notes or a link in the show notes. I'm sorry. But the conclusions, if I can come up with any conclusions, would be uh, the field notes one is lighter, but I'm really suspicious of the weird binding and its durability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the right notepads one, you know, it's heavy because it's 60 sheets of really heavy 70-pound paper, but it's beefier and it has better paper and it'll last forever. And I, I don't know. I, I want to say a- I like it better, but I like it better. I like. I think it's amazing how one of their notepads has all, ju- almost as much like writing surface as two of the field notes pads. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think with the the field notes one, perhaps the durability might not be that much of an issue with thirty five sheets. Yeah, folks probably aren't going to yeah. use the back. What are you going to yeah. say, June? You know, I was going to say, you know, it's funny because it right the right notepads one is heavy, and that's kind of a factor, like because it it does you know if you're using this form factor because you want to put it in your coat pocket or your back pocket it's kind of heavy for that like not you know unless you're wearing a a jacket made of paper it's not going to be a problem but you know you're going to notice but I think as much as I like the field notes one it feels like the right notepads one is one you can actually use for its purpose like when I'm using a reporter's notebook rather than you know say a field notes type pocket notebook it's because I want to go quickly I want to just you know, like it might be in a movie, um, you know, just wanting to write large notes because I don't want to, and I'm in the dark and I don't want to write over what I've, you know, what I just wrote. And you want to just be able to flip and flip and flip. And, you know, it makes may seem crazy to think that you go through a notebook in one movie, but it's kind of not, you know, if you're just from experience, I know that it's not. So it just feels like Yes, they're the same form factor, more or less, although I know the field notes one is a little narrower, but it feels like one is really usable for the purpose it's intended, and the other one is, you know, lovely paper and all, but kind of, I'm not really sure it works as a reporter's notebook. Yeah. Totally. I will Plus, stop I always say this. You, <laughs> oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say this when the field notes come out, and I wonder, you know, what percentage of them are going to get opened and written in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day I'm gonna get hate mail for this, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, sus- I suspect anyone who gets two is probably gonna pocket two of the packs for um, posterity or eBay anyway. If, so if you, I wonder. Two. I wonder how collectible these ones are though, because they're you know out of format and just like it's more like regular stationery. I don't know. I, yeah. I who knows? I mean, it, it's silly to to sort of bet against the collectability or the 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 willingness to collect field notes but yeah. i wonder if these will be quite so uh you know and obviously now we're getting into these really large runs although this one i think was just twenty five thousand, and that which is just fifty thousand books yeah but still it, yeah Some, somebody I wonder if people the, will go mad about these somebody in field notes did mention about how um like it, it doesn't fit nicely in in their bins where they they stash it so they won't be collecting it which poor baby oh, <laughs> that was tim <laughs> <laughs> no i mean if if i were a subscriber and i didn't like reporters notebooks i'd have been kind of pissed that 
I was expecting pocket notebooks, and I got construction paper, and then on this one, I got a reporter's notebook. Yeah. After two, you know, they released the the Shenandoah and the Snowblind were really cool covers, but the insides were like standard field notes fare, which was good. So, mm-hmm. um, Charles Curtis and I were talking about this earlier shortly. I feel like they should go all out there maybe once a year tops, but yeah, I can't. I wonder if they're losing subscribers or the boldness. Yeah, not yeah. always appreciate it. Let's get Jim Kudal really drunk or Brian Brian Bedell and just like <laughs> get it out of them because I'm curious to know. Yeah, it did I mean, feel like this time they were trying harder to win over the um, the subscribe. You know, the extra thing, the, the the sticker that I was they know people are crazy for that was only for the yeah. subscribers and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and also it looks considerably less Third Reichish in person. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Without the, yeah. the, the belly band, really added to that a lot. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's like a belt, an armband, maybe. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll keep the short for running a little long. So I don't know why Target has their back to school stuff out already because <laughs> making everybody I mean, die. In, in in Baltimore, the kids just got out of school last Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I went to Target, and they had back-to-school stuff in the dollar bin. <laughs> so they have ceramic apples, I don't know why, pears, and pencils. So for 3 bucks, you get a ceramic pencil that's, I don't know, maybe 7 or 8 inches long and as wide as, I guess, a normal person's half their wrist, something like that. It's just for decoration, <coughs> though, but it's cute. It's adorable. And they also have banners that you can hang up in a classroom or if you're me in your bedroom that are pencils and notebooks, and they're felt. And I think I saw pencil ones that were wood, so I guess you could decorate your deck if you were, I don't know, really cool, the coolest person on your block. (laughs) Johnny, are you going to be decorating your deck? I don't have a deck, but I do have a balcony. (laughs) But I think my wife put the kibosh on that. Yeah. (laughs) She did buy me the felt ones for Father's Day, though, or the the felt pencils. That's cool. Yeah. I might just wear them as a giant sash and walk around. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. I look like a, like a bandolier of like RPGs. <laughs> so, June, you just got back from yeah. Japan and you sent us all some really, 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 really cool stuff. So, we have a list of talking points here that I don't know if they're stores or brands, which oh, is oh, yeah. part of the fun. So, do you want to start off with. Um, Maybe telling us why you went to Japan and maybe some of your high points and even if you want to, your low points. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the why is, um, I guess really, I it was that the, we booked the trip just because my girlfriend is a Japanese speaker and just wanted to go and, um, you know, do some research and just hang out. Um, and I wants to go because I I went eight years ago to do a store, a travel story. And I, I had a good time. I really liked it, but you know, it wasn't like totally my thing. Um, but then this time I, I sold some, um, you know, freelance stories. I did a piece about, um, Nikaya fountain pens. I got to go to some fountain pen fairs. I hope you're, um, doing earmuffs, Johnny, and putting your hands over your ears as I use this, <laughs> this state speech. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, so I went to some fountain pen fairs and I, I hung out at the, um, the Nakaya offices with, with, uh, the Nakaya people who are all amazing. And I met the president of the platinum company. Who's also the president of Nakaya. That is awesome. Um, 
Yeah, and and so that was great. And then I also did a um, a piece about stationery stores because I this trip that there were like it was just a cool thing to do. I mean, wherever I go, I always go and hang out in stationery stores. But it like most, you know, it's, it's kind of it's a little bit of a you know something that you tell yourself when you're there. Oh, everything's so different here. You know, like it's not necessarily, but. Um, but there is really cool, different stuff in stationery stores, and there are a lot of stationery and art stores. Um, so just having, you know, sold this story, it just gave me an excuse to do what is my favorite uh, kind of relaxation thing, which is just to seek out and visit uh, stationery stores. Um, so I just wanted to mention some of the ones that I thought were particularly interesting for pencils because one of the things that I noticed like when you said a negative thing like I really didn't have any negative experiences it was a very happy fun trip um, which actually I did enjoy being there more this time um, or somehow I felt more at ease or more happy or I don't know whatever it was it was a good trip <laughs> uh, when when you, there's so there's so much stationery in so many stores, and you, even if you stare at everything, even if you spend literally hours looking at everything in the various stores that you go to, you then go to another store and you see completely different stuff. Like it's amazing what variety there is, except really in pencils. There really wasn't that much variety in pencils, even though I felt like I was looking really hard. Like there are all the Tombow pencils, including some that we don't see much over here. And there were all of the, you know, Uni Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi pencils, but then that would be it. Like there, would, there just wasn't much beyond once you'd seen the, the range. And occasionally I did find a few uh, sort of different, the, the range widened a little bit, but um, it kind of was a little frustrating that I wasn't seeing all these crazy you know, this amazing range that there were in pens and fountain pens and, and notebooks. But some real, some highlight places were Gekoso, which is this. So Gekoso is an art supply store. They sell pretty much only their own kind of store brand things. They're most famous for their um, sketchbooks, which come in a variety of colors and sizes, but uh, it's maybe five colors and you know, four sizes, but it seems like all the Japanese artists use them. Uh, whenever I would go to museums and there were pictures of the artist at work, they would be holding their Gekoso sketchbook. Uh, and they, among the other things that they have are these pencils, uh, which they sell with a, a sort of a, a leather uh, pencil cap, you know, to cover the point. Mm. Um, and the pencils come in 8B. I'm sorry, yes, 8B. So extraordinarily soft, extraordinarily, you know, they're like the British boating pencils. So <laughs> as as cool as it was, like it's a cool, um, you know, uh, Tim, you would love it. It's, a, it's an unlacquered, a natural pencil. But, mm. and it was somewhat expensive, but like, I just, I couldn't really buy them because I didn't think I would use, so I just bought one with a cap, you know, it was almost like a a souvenir because I just couldn't see myself using it. It was much too fat, um, but it was a very cool store to visit. And in the basement, they have uh, a coffee shop, but also 
on the walls, people who've you know purchased supplies there send in uh, things that they've made with the supplies that they buy there. And so it's just a very cool um, place to shop. And they also have, as well as the art supplies, uh, some bags, so canvas bags in various sizes. Their logo that they're very famous for is a post horn, you know, that you often see in Scandinavia. So most of the things say in Roman script, gekoso, and then the post horn. Um, so it's a cool store, and there's a really nice restaurant across the street. Um, <laughs> another place that I really recommend, and actually, if you can only go to one place and you're into pencils, Sakaido would be my recommendation it's a there are many branches uh and uh, it's an art supply store and the branches are huge they have just very expensive uh sort of ranges in all of the departments and they were the place that had the most pencils you know that i could just spend forever and ever inspecting every pencil um and that was great and also their things are tend to be cheaper than anywhere else. Um, you know, Japan has a reputation of a place that's very expensive, but I think actually it's a place where you can spend a lot of money or you also have much more budget options, budget-friendly options. So Sakaido, everything is at a discount and they have a lot of pencils. I'm trying to go uh, to these, these websites that you're talking about. And, and for some reason, I'm surprised because I can't read them because they're all in Japanese. And I know. You know, I have <laughs> to say that some of the places do have um, kind of more international friendly. But you know what? Like the, the Sakaido one, even if you speak Japanese, it's just not like it's it's more like here's how to get to the stores. Yeah. You know, they're not really set up for e-commerce, as we used to say. Yeah, but if you if you ever find yourself in Japan, find a Sakaido. Uh, Bunpodo um, is a really cool art store. Um, yeah, an art supply store. Again, quite a bit of pencils and a lot of other stuff. And the reason that I really enjoyed Bunpodo, which is in an amazing part of Tokyo, thriving uh, used bookstore section. Um, you know, kind of like London's Charing Cross Road used to be many years ago and really isn't anymore. You know, just blocks blocks after blocks of specialist um you know art supplies uh, uh use sorry specialist used bookstores so just uh you know art books just mm. cookbooks you know just and just so many of them but Bumpodo uh was not only a great art store but also had a fantastic range of postcards both you know some of the typical tourist postcards but also um uh, you know, RT postcards, which just I wasn't seeing anywhere else in Tokyo. Uh, and also had one of the things that, you know, so Japanese art stores or art supply stores have the things that we would expect, but it's Japan. And so they have other stuff that we don't see here. So for example, rooms full of, you know, the, the, um, the hand, the, the chops, uh, the, the, the um, stamps that people use to sign things. Um, you know, there are sort of entire uh, floors of uh, art supply stores, kind of different levels of expense. You know, you can have them carved. You can, you know, the different kinds of, of ways that you would keep them in your pockets. Um, and another thing that is very common in Japan and, and less common here is because Japanese books tend to be of the same 
size. So not only, you know, the A5, A6 type, um, you know, sizes that we're familiar for notebooks or art supplies or art sketchbooks, but also um, what we used to call in England reading books also come in standard sizes. So you find lots, reading books. you know, again, reading books, entire um, sections and our rooms full of book covers. Hmm. They're printed or, you know, like Tyvek or, uh, you know, they don't really see leather, um, but just really, and often with very cool sort of traditional Japanese design. So you see a lot of things like that that you just don't see in uh, in America, at least. Um, and uh, Bumpodo had really good, uh, a good selection of, of boot covers. Um, I'll just do, a, I'll just do a couple more because I know it's not very fascinating if you're not there, but um, no, I'm Tokyo. <laughs> I'm very fascinated. Tok <laughs> uh, Tokyo hands um, again is a just an amazing range of things that they have in the store. Like they sell bicycles, they sell um, you know huge selections of uh, bags. Um, uh, by the way, are y'all listening to Jeff Brookwicky's bag podcast? It's really fascinating. Is a bag? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's called. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I, the co-host of a pencil podcast, can't believe that there's a bag podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's amazing. Really good. He's a great interviewer. He interviews the create, you know, the, the people who make the bags, the, the business people, the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fascinating. Anyway, um, so they have, you know, Japanese businessmen tend to all carry the same bag. And now I know exactly where they buy them. Uh, and they have like huge ranges of um uh, like the fake food that they that they have outside restaurants. I love um, that. <laughs> it's just like crazy range of things that they sell in the store, like lots of hobby stuff. But they also um, had gigantic stationary selections, really, really extensive selections of um, diaries. Diaries and planners are huge in, in Japan throughout the year. I mean, I'm sure like at the end of the year, it's particularly big, but yeah. I was there in March and there were still entire floors devoted to um, uh, to planners and, and diaries. Tokyo Hands is the, is the store that I've kind of heard of on this list beforehand. And yes, I've, yeah, I've, I definitely have wanted to, like if ever I get to go to Tokyo, that's that and Itoya are kind of like top of my list. Um, you, you know, now, now you've mentioned Itoya, I have to say, since you mentioned disappointment, Itoya oh. is good, but they had a big renovation um, some time ago, uh, maybe two years ago. And now it's huge and it's very well organized, but it was a little bit hmm. mm, like there was no spark to the place, you know, it's like very... it somehow lost. It was bland and a little bit generic. Hmm. Um you didn't feel like you were going to discover something awesome there. You know, that was, Itoya is the one that um, was making the rounds on Quartz.com lately about um, about how they, they let customers design, like, their own perfect notebook. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know if and you... It, I did actually see that. I saw that at the, at the big Itoya store. But I, the, other yeah. place, the last place I wanted to mention, Kakimori, I felt was just so much better at it than that mm. so kakimori is a little bit out you know itoya is right in ginza it's you know super easy to get to kakimori you know the the japan the tokyo subway is so amazing that you can go anywhere and get anywhere um super easy but 
it's in a this neighborhood called Kurumai, which is just a little bit out, um, although it's a very kind of um, it traditionally was a place where notebooks were made, but, mm. you know, by factories. Um, and Kakimori is this place It's run by young people. It's all about encouraging people to use analog tools. And so they have all of these, all of the pens that they sell are available for people to play without any, you know, they're not on strings. They're not tied to the wall. And some of the, like the pens especially were really expensive, but you can, you know, test them and write with them. They're not, there's no security. They're not behind glass because they really want to encourage people to just to write with, with pens and pencils. And, and um, they had really cool, very nicely curated stationery. And they also had uh, this really great make your own notebook. So custom notebook um, in a much more um, kind of in a toy. It was everything was kind of a little bit, you know, you had the consultation with someone at, at Kakimori, you know, you could touch the covers and you could touch the paper and um, and the people were super friendly and uh, it just felt much warmer. And then actually there's a little ink stand. Uh, there's a, a the kind of a separate entrance where they have their own inks, but you can also mix them to make your own colors kind of thing. Um, that's super. So, oh, man, that's so yeah. So, so those are my I uh, since we're not in Japan, I, I, I guess it's, there's um, th those are all the ones I'll mention. But there's just one last place, two last places I'll mention. Uh, one is Bumbogo Cafe, which, um, you know, there's this whole thing. But this is a place where it's all about stationery. So uh, they sell stationery. They have things for sale. But then uh, in the rest, there's also just a regular restaurant that you can order, you know, food and drink. Uh, but then there's just kind of stationery and stationery magazines uh, that you can look at and you can, you know, you can take the note, there's Gekuso notebooks, you can take the notebooks or sketchbooks, you can borrow supplies, there's pencils, there's pens, um, you know, you can draw or write. A lot of people were doing um, manga or, you know, cartooning and they were scrapbooking. And then if you're, you can pay a certain amount to become a member and then they give you a key to the drawer in the, at the table where you, you know, so all of the tables have a drawer that you open with the key and that has like special supplies in it. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And like, it was cool. You know, we were there on a Sunday. We had to wait like 45 minutes for a table, which is not typical in Japan. Like you don't usually have to, you know, people don't wait. There's lots of places to eat, um, you know, at that level anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it was a long wait. A uh, lot of people there and like people in groups, like they'd gone to talk and socialize and kind of journal or, you know, do an art sketch or, and it was really, really cool. It it felt um, very, I don't know, like it just was a nice feeling. And it also felt like you were glad that people were getting together to do that kind, kind of thing in a group. It was very, very uh I don't know, just just warm and companionable, but also very, very, I don't know, art supply positive. Hmm. Um, it was really good. Art supply positive is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the very last thing I promise, the very last thing I'll mention is uh, in J Japan is, you know, Japanese people speaking, uh, obviously, in a great generalization, um, tend not to be all that fun, you know, they don't really focus on like, what's the cheapest, um, you know, there's much more value placed on 
on value and uh, quality and something that will last. But do you have these towns all have, or neighborhoods all have these 100 yen stores. So like hyakuen is, is what they're called. Um, and uh, so it's just like a dollar store or a pound store that you might see in England. But the quality of the stuff, especially in the stationary aisles, were just amazing. If I could only, like, if, I, if they sent me to Japan and I could only be there for an hour and then I had to return, I would just spend it in a 100 yen store because it was amazing. And actually, I saw, like, pencils there that I didn't see in the regular stationery stores. It wasn't junky stuff, which is what I typically expect to find in hey. dollar stores or pen stores. Have you been to were, Have you been to a Daiso store, June? No, I never have, and it kind of drives me crazy that I, because yeah, they they do have Daiso uh, Hyakuen stores. Um, I did see some there, but I've never been to one in America. Cool. Yeah, I, I love Daiso, so I think I would love these hundred yen stores. I'd really love to try them out. Yeah, you can yeah. get so so much stuff, <laughs> and <laughs> like you you come home like as if you've been, you know, you like. Uh, the, you know the Great Gatsby throwing shirts up in the air, and you've got all these <laughs> pencils and notebooks and and everything. Up in the air. Exactly, you do some nasty. I do feel like anyway. Yeah, if I were to use a um, a metaphor that's that's set like in the '90s, if ever you watch Ducktales, uh, Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> yes, uh, swims <laughs> yes. gold coins in his vault. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think it's probably worth pointing out real quick that um, we, I won't put all of these links in show notes individually, but um, I will link to the uh, article that, that June wrote for Condé Nast Traveler. And um, I'll have that link in there. And so all of these, these things, she has a little, like a, has written a little bit about and has links to their websites from there. So, uh, so look for that link, which I'll make sure is at the top of show notes and in, in bold. <laughs> so, Man, guys, so if I if I just move to Japan, is it cool with you if we do the podcast in the middle of the night? <laughs> it's fine. I don't sleep anyway. As long as you send plenty of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pay us in two B pencils. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, do you guys want to shoot June some questions? Yeah. Yeah. We have some Q and A if if that's cool with you, June. Oh. And absolutely. Uh, if anybody in the chat um wants to talk a little what has any questions for june please uh please ask away and we'll we'll try to put some of the some of the best ones in there so yeah how about you tim yeah yeah i'll start it out so yeah this is a, a bit stereotypical but thinking about japan you think of it as kind of a tech center mm -hmm. uh there's there's a lot of technology uh a lot comes from there uh, but I was wondering if you got a feeling going through these these stores and seeing all these really cool pencils and the huge variety of pencils. Do you get a feeling there that pencils are primarily seen as an art tool or as a writing instrument? Like because of the use of smartphones and things like that, and to, to, it's just kind of baffling to me to see such a huge, or to hear about such a huge variety of pencils. When here it seems like we've lost variety because people aren't using them as much. If that makes any sense. So is it are they? Did it seem like mostly an art tool thing, or was it? Do they seem to be for writing? Um, you know, obviously, my uh, I'm just speaking from my very limited experience, but my impression mm -hmm. is that yes, it's very much an art tool. That mm -hmm. I did see people, you know, writing. It wasn't, uh, you know, that 
it wasn't that, uh, you know, the thing about Japan, um, again, a little bit of stereotype, but that it, it is this weird juxtaposition or, or shocking juxtaposition of hyper-modern and also very, very traditional. You know, the, the <clears throat> woman wearing a kimono as, as she, you know, goes underneath a giant, whatever the most modern thing is, you know, uh, neon sign or something. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So the fact that there are all these stationary stores and, you know, it's not just the big ones. There's in our, we stayed in a very kind of an old neighborhood and there would be two or three stationary stores. Um, so obviously people are using them, but I think they're mostly associated with, with children and with, with schoolwork. And then if you use mm. them afterward, um, then uh, maybe you're an artist. Um, so sure. yeah, it, it, it seemed not to be just something that you would typically do. I, I hope this isn't an offensive question, but there are a good bit of pieces of <laughs> Japanese stationery with um, European sounding names. Like you sent us these really, really cool notebooks from Rollbahn, which sounds German. And, and right. there's the Mario Uchida Le Pen. So is this a thing? Or yes. <laughs> I don't know. how do I ask that question? Is, no, is there I a trend mean, I, toward using European names? I mean, yes. I, I can't explain it, um, but <laughs> it seems undeniable. I mean, the Delphonics brand has a whole bunch. It's not just the Rollbahn. They have others. Um, they have another brand that makes a, a sort of a narrower book that has, um, you know, German words in it. Uh, or they have uh, binders uh, that come with actually also Danish words. Um, so it's a thing. And, and, you know, there's, you know, I, I'm picking up a notebook that I got at, um, at Kinokuniya and, you know, it's, 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 I got it mostly because I, I like the format. It's an A5 format with the, with, um, I think five millimeter spaced lines. Um, and it, you know, has a nice photo. And then it says in English, a pleasant memory and beautiful scenery. There are, a lot of unforgettable things in everyday life. I write an important thing and do not let's finish. A way of writing seems to be for freedom and oneself. And like, <laughs> I think that I think that that's intentional at this point. I think that they know that English-speaking people will buy stationery that has just weird English well, phrases on it that don't actually make sense. I don't know. It, it, used, it used to be that there was a lot of like, just aesthetically, they really liked the way that like, the English words looked and that you would see yes. like crazy stuff. And I, I think, I think a lot of it is just sort of like a continuation of that aesthetic. Yeah. Like I, I'm I also think thinking right. about, I'm also thinking about uh, life notebooks, which you can buy at like, right. Noya, um, which are J Japanese oh, yeah. that t totally look like Victorian English, like guilt um, right. stuff. Yeah. I, I just love those. And I, yeah. I definitely think it's, it's just an aesthetic thing as well as like getting Westerners to, to buy the notebooks yeah i know I, I, that was probably impute terrible motives yeah. But yeah i think it's, it's like it's it's almost um yeah and so i'm i'm i've got another notebook that i'm looking at that i you, as soon as you said i'm like yeah so this is called schöpfer notisbuch and it's got all this stuff <laughs> it's also created by the life company it's got all these you know German words, but is then it's made in Japan. Like it's so. I think it's just a kind of a. It's it's almost it's an aesthetic. Um, have you seen the other you know, books, June? That have um, they they have like a craft yellow brown cover, and it, um, 
that says like Oxford and Cambridge on it. And then <laughs> yes, uh, on the yes. inside, it has like some like thing about like the grand tradition of English academics, but it's like very like slightly off in its translation. Right, right, exactly. I just love um, that. Yeah, and, and I know that, you know, that there's no shortage of English speaking people who could have proofed them. So I, I think that it's, I do think it's almost like just a, a loop that they're going for at this point. Um, uh, and and I, I guess I admit that at this point, I think it's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't really explain it. Um, so a question from the, from the gallery, uh, Courtney uh, from the chat asks, what product or concept should American shops borrow from the Japanese shops? Ooh. Now, well, I, I do like the stamps. I do like the boot covers. Uh, you know, one of the things that I bought that I was most excited about was this was in Marin, which is another fantastic, it's a book for, um, which I store, uh, but they also have really good stationery uh, sections. And it was like a special offer. And I, you know, I can never resist it, like something that comes as a set. And it was um, like a one of those Kukoyu, um, uh, I forget what they're called. They have a name that you can get them at Amazon. So it's it's like a folder that has a uh, also has a I think you can stuff things into oh, it. Oh uh, yeah, like they've got a funny name that they, I can't they make those idea idea cards Sy that you sent me. Yeah, and they're like systemic notebook. I think yeah, they call it. So you know that you can fill in the days yourself you know so that you can use it at any year any month and on the other side you can put a notebook um there was also like a little plastic um filing uh, system you know where you can put things in different sections that was also inside there and then they'd put they took pens into the front um and you know the truth is that i haven't real i use it mostly at home but i love that that ability to kind of customize and, uh, you know, get a lot of notebooks together, which I know I'm making it sound just like a Midori notebook, but there's something super efficient about this um, that you can have your schedule, notes, uh, you know, filing expenses away in one place. I love that. And it, but it's also like it was inexpensive. It was like $12 for the whole thing, uh, which was a special price, but like they're not sort of, representing that this is you know some super collectible you know you know it, it didn't cost a hundred dollars it cost less than 20 and i love the kind of everydayness of it um you yeah. know you have the idea of somebody putting this in one of those famous black you know briefcases and taking it to the office it's not they've not it's not a luxury item it's just something that will last a long time and that is really cool that is cool Awesome. So um, you sent us also, in addition to these really cool Roblox notebooks, you sent us some really, really cool pencils. And most of the pencils you sent us were in 2B. So I'm wondering, like, in the, you know, in the U.S., HB is sort of standard. Is 2B sort of the popular grade in Japan? No, it did seem like HB was the most common. But um, there were still a lot of Bs and 2Bs. Uh, and not like not only in, you know, like art supply stores where you would have the full range of pencil grades, um, you know, like in a box box that was intended for kids to use at school, 
you could choose B or 2B. So I don't, I think HB is still standard, but certainly much more uh, openness to uh, slightly softer grades. And, you know, I know that there's those pencils that you talked about with Caroline one time, um, you know, 6B, I think I got one that was H, 8, sorry, 6B and one that was even 8B, yeah. or 4B and 6B, I'm sorry. And those are very soft with a very thick uh, core, you know, that's supposedly used to help with penmanship. Um, so I definitely saw those, um, but I think, yeah. Mostly in the in the middle range, and but lots of mark sheet pencils, um, uh, hmm. as they call them, uh, test scoring pencils. So I did get a few of those myself because I I do like uh, the way that test test she mark sheet as they call. Them. You know they have a nice dark uh, line without being um, too, uh, you know. Yeah. They still hold a point as well. Yeah, I, I do Thanks. love. I do love the, uh, you sent us those uh, 6B KM KKS pencils. Yeah, those are sweet. Yeah. Right. Which, which I, I just love it. We have the we have the 4B ones that, you know, from CW pencils. So this is a yeah. perfect addition uh, to that. And I've been just cruising through the uh, the Tombow, the blue, the Tombow pencil, the round natural one with the red and blue end up. Oh, as the yeah. Blue, yeah. The blue core. That thing is so nice. I've been just cruising through that doing editing and things like that i love it i love all of thank Tom you tombos um like their recycled pencils i just mm -hmm. love, i just yeah. love them all yeah do, do, so with cool. the six Bs, what did you guys use them for i mean do you use them for actual writing or was that some special usage uh i i don't know i i use it for just sometimes like just light list making, like short form, mm -hmm. short form <laughs> writing, I guess. Yeah. Um, just because, like, when when I write like long form, it's just too soft for me to like. I would sharpen every <laughs> once in a while. They're so yeah. they're so soft that like yeah, I have to use them for small things, or I almost use them for the experience of how they feel, like taking pleasure in that yeah. over like actually yeah. doing writing. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. it's like going out and buying like a super expensive tiny piece of chocolate where you're like, yeah. wow, that was yeah. awesome. I ate it in four <laughs> seconds, but that was awesome. And it's like I I loved it, but I was <laughs> yeah, basically just sit down and be like, oh, this will feel nice. It's almost like therapy. Like I'm going to write uh... with a super soft pencil and <laughs> just kind of bask in it. It's like wearing, which not that I do this, but it's like wearing silk or something. It's, it's like that uh, <laughs> It's like that therapy that people use, like listening to somebody like scratch their arm or sharpening a pencil or what is that called? Is that, sound, that sound therapy? MRRB or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not familiar. Yeah. But yeah, it's like that. Yeah, <laughs> you're such a sixty ones. They're good for drawing too. Yeah, they're yeah. Really, yeah. they don't smear for a six B. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna say, Tim, you're 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 super weird. I, I would never ever do that. I'm sure none of us <laughs> ever ever do that. Which thing? Write like that or wear silk? I don't know. Which just one just uh, <laughs> just you know, try your pencil and yeah. Oh yeah, no, uh, that's just being weird. So you guys have no affiliation with that. No, um, can't relate. I, I do. I, I know we're running long, but um, somebody in the chat had a really good question for June. Kevin Stanton asks, um, June, do you do you strictly track track your activities um, like analog, like analog? <laughs> I can't even say that. Analogically? Analogically. 
Or, uh -huh. or do you use digital tools to keep yourself organized? He goes, I asked because she's super prolific and I'm always curious how just you don't miss anything. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, definitely. So when I'm writing, typically I write on, you know, write at my computer or, or if like say the Brexit live blog, that was everything on the computer because there's just no time for messing around. Um, but so something like if it's, something that needs to be written very quickly, like the Brexit live blog, that would just be pure computer, not even making notes on paper. Um, but for most pieces, I would, um, you know, maybe if there's something that is giving me a hard time, uh, you know, go and, you know, take it to analog and just go with a, I don't know, just some um, what do we call them, a legal pad and a, and a ballpoint pad and try and work that out. But in terms of organization and, you know, figuring out what I need to do and where I need to be, I do most of that uh, with pen and paper or with pencil and paper. And weirdly, there are certain tasks that I always use a pencil for. I don't know. I'm not remembering the um, the term for it you know what like life logging or where you keep track of all the things in your life you know um i often do that with pencil um and i typically write with a ballpoint pen or and then other kinds of writing i do with uh fountain pencil i guess it's a lot of you fool yourself into thinking if you use this particular tool this will everything will work in yeah. a certain way um mm -hmm. So I have lots of weird, they're almost habits, uh, but uh, I do, so yeah, I do use analog tools a lot, it, uh, if, especially for organization. If you all want an insight into June's life and process, you should watch this video that, um, <laughs> what, t tell me about like that, like what is that video called? It's o Otaku New York? Yes. So, well, website and makes those videos kind of wants to show how people from different backgrounds who live in New York um, have an interest in Asian, especially Japanese culture. And she chose, she asked them to show what they have for breakfast. So, because breakfast is, seems to be particularly, uh, like we take our breakfast habits from when we were growing up. Mm. Uh, so like I've been in America for a long time, I'm very American, but I think I do still eat a more British breakfast than most of the people I know. Uh, so I had Weetabix, so I, that was my English breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, but then she just kind of likes to see your Japanese interest. So my Japanese interest was stationary. Uh, so I showed her some pens and pencils and, uh, and it was interesting because, um, you know, I know her quite well. She actually was the translator for when I went to, uh, to the Nikaya office. Um, and so as I was showing her things, she was very curious. So I, you know, I would give her some, so I gave her some field notes and I wanted to give her a pencil and she said, oh no, I don't use pencils. Um, and it was, it just seemed like that, that was a, like a border that she didn't want to cross. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a funny aspect of that, but, um, yeah. but yes, cool. it's a, a strange little video. <laughs> I loved it. Awesome. So I hate for this end, but we should probably wrap up because we're almost at two hours, <laughs> which is awesome. This, this is awesome. But, this has been an yeah, amazing this, episode. This has been yeah, so this awesome. this is so much fun. We have to bug you to get you on here again really soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. 
So thanks again to Write Notepads for sponsoring this episode. And I forgot to mention earlier, the Baltimore Sun, our local, one local newspaper, did an article on them recently that'll be in the show notes. Um, and also the mayor visited, but I don't think that's mentioned in the article. Um, June, can you tell folks where to find you online? Yeah, um, you can find my writing uh, in Slate, but actually the easiest way to keep uh, track of what I'm up to is on Twitter. I'm at June Thomas. Awesome. How about you, Andy? Uh, I am on Twitter uh, as well at at A. Wellfley. Um, or you can find me at um, andy.coffee. That is my newest domain name that I'm excited about. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Did you reserve Johnny.coffee for me? Uh, you should go in right now before any of these fools listening to us do it. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Tim? You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wassum, and I'm also on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. Awesome. I am Johnny Gamber. You can find me at pencilrevolution.com on Twitter at Pensolution. And this is the Erasable Podcast, which you can find at erasable.us. This is episode 55, so we'll be at erasable.us slash 55. Of course, you could find us on iTunes. And if you can leave us reviews and recommendations on Overcast, iTunes, whatever podcast proliferation device you like. That's the wrong word. That would be super <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so if, you're, if you don't already belong to our Facebook group, which is probably the coolest group on Facebook. And Andy probably can prove this through his job. We are at <laughs> through science and his job. Yeah. And it's all on paper. It's true. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash groups slash erasable, where we literally have global 24 seven pencil discussions and it's almost two years old, right? Yeah. It's uh, so, just, just a little over, I think. That's amazing that's still going on. Yeah. So amazing that our podcast is still going on. <laughs> so you can check out our, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash erasable podcasts, which is sort of our official, you know, yell for things. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at erasable podcasts. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you on episode 56. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. Gaze catches me with wonder.